John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I chose this verse as my favorite one because on the first five words, John is explaining that God loves the world, loves us, and everything he created. He loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Anyone who asks God for forgiveness and believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you believe in God, trust in him, and love him with all your heart and soul, he'll do many great things in your life, and you'll someday be with him in heaven. Loving God, I give you thanks for Nathan, for his faith that seems to transcend his years. Thank you for the witness that he gives about how important your love is to him. Lord, may we understand it that way as well. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, as you have seen, today is kickoff Sunday for our summer season, and we also begin a new sermon series. This one is on life verses that have been suggested by all of you. A life verse is often chosen either as an inspiration or direction. It may define how God has worked in your life. Maybe it's a verse that was the one that helped you become a person of faith in Jesus Christ. You'll see that each life verse that is shared has a backstory that points to faith and a personal journey with the Lord. As you have probably noticed or at least heard, I love to do baptisms. I think one of the most tender parts of our services of baptism is when the family, the mother and father, read to the child a life verse that they have selected to bless them with a carefully chosen verse to be their guide from that moment throughout all of their lives. Now, would you believe, even though I have been privileged to celebrate hundreds of baptisms throughout my ministry, not one parent has ever chosen Exodus 20, verse 12, the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land your Lord is giving you. That's a missed opportunity, don't you think? <laughs> As you heard today, the life verse is from John 3:16 that Nathan so eloquently read and shared with us. Isn't it amazing how articulate he is, 11 years old, how confident he is about what he believes and I must admit, after watching Nathan and the, his video, as well as the blue box story, I thought, you know, we really could just have prayer, a benediction, and go home because Nathan's passion and Laura and Willie's creativity explained John 3.16 really well. I don't know how much else needs to be added. However... <laughs> John 3.16 is also my life verse. And for the next few minutes, I want to share my backstory of receiving that very powerful verse in my life. 
I was fortunate to have been raised in a home where to bear the name of Christ, we were called Christians, was as much a part of my identity as bearing the family name Van Horn. St. Luke's Lutheran Church. St. Luke's was the church that baptized me at four weeks old. It was the church that nurtured my family and our faith through the ups and downs, those inevitable difficulties in life. It was the church that celebrated when things were good and somehow lessened the difficulties when life was hard. It was also the church where I confirmed my baptismal vows. For two years, we went to confirmation classes every Saturday morning for four hours. We studied the Bible, theology, and memorized Luther's catechism. You know, and I realize now how my parents modeled the importance of the church and faith by having their lives revolve around those Saturday morning classes as well as overseeing the weekly homework, and there was a lot. And then the confirmation day arrived. I was 12 years old, just one year older than Nathan. We proceeded down the center aisle, all dressed in white, sat up front just as proud as could be that we were going to finally confirm our faith in Jesus Christ and join the church. The pastor selected a special verse of scripture for each one of us. Finally, my name was called. And I walked up and I knelt there and he put his hand on my head and he said, For God so loved Dana that he sent his only son, that because she believes, she will not perish, but have eternal life. I want you to know in that moment, all those seeds that have been planted during my growing up years, all those Sunday school classes, all those vacation Bible school days, all those prayers offered by my parents, I finally got it. For God so loved the world, and I was part of the world. When God loved the world, God saw and knew me. From that moment on, my life was forever changed. Somehow, even at 12, I knew I was a child of God. God so loved Nathan, Dana, the world, all of you. What does that love look like? And here is where Jesus comes in. As one Sunday school child told his mom and dad, I always raise my hand when the teacher asks a question because the answer is always Jesus. <laughs> always Jesus. If a child can get it, shouldn't we? John 3.16 has been called the greatest verse in the Bible. Martin Luther called it the heart of the Bible, the gospel in miniature. And I'm going to get a drink of water. <coughs> As my mother would say, if you cough when you're talking, you're talking too much. <laughs> so Luther calls it the gospel in miniature. And Bible Gateway, a searchable online Bible site, maybe some of you have used it, wanted to know which were the top 100 verses on their site. 
They reviewed 25 million scripture searches from two months, March and April. And you guessed it, John 3.16 was number one. You know, I find that an encouraging statistic. <clears throat> People, millions of them, literally millions in two months, were looking for worth and value, meaning and purpose in God's sight. Don't you think that's hopeful? And just in case you are curious, like I was, so I looked it up, <clears throat> the least popular verses were actually chapters from 1 Chronicles 23 to 27. That gives the long list of priests and officials under King David, <clears throat> those unpronounceable names, a scripture passage that no pastor ever wants to be assigned to try to read. So today I want us to look at the circle of life through the eyes of faith. That's what I'm calling it. From the innocence of youth, Nathan, to the experience of age, moi, hear God's word once again. Now here is my Bible. <clears throat> this is the one that was presented by the pastor to me on the day of our confirmation. It even has my name in gold. It's King James Version. But you know, no matter what the translation, the age of the reader or the language spoken, God's message of love for the world is the same. Listen again. Only this time, listen with the ears of your heart as well as your mind. Let the Holy Spirit speak the words. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John 3, 16 and 17. Friends, this passage is very, very familiar. Many of you could say it by heart. Yet it is filled with meaning about how God relates to us and how we are to relate to God. Familiar? Yes. Easy to grasp? No. This is not Bible light. God's heart, God's desire is demonstrated by giving his only son for the world's salvation. God loves the world in that way. He sends Jesus to deliver the world from death to the life that God created in creation. Jesus, God with us in the flesh, will die on the cross so that we may be forgiven and live. Those who hear the life-giving word of Jesus and believe in God are delivered, delivered from God's judgment, guilt, condemnation. There is no blame. Now let's be honest. We each know the ways, big ways and small ways, that we are not living the life that God intended for us. There's no need for me to enumerate the many ways here. You know in your own heart what your life is like. And still, still knowing us that well, God loves you and God loves me. And God loves the world and desires to love us into eternity. 
And this is the commandment that we should believe in the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. That's from 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. You're going to find when you read John, he talks a lot about love. If we truly believe in Jesus, as Nathan reminded us, if we look at the cross and see the love that has been displayed there in Jesus, we cannot go back to a life that is self-focused and loveless. We will be drawn to love God, to love others, and to even love ourselves. And the void that we often feel will be filled to overflowing with love. More than ever, the world needs to be loved on by God. After the events of the last several weeks, we might conclude that God's condemnation of the world might be appropriate. Such love that the Father has for us is really difficult to comprehend. Did you know that the opposite of to condemn is to bless? How can we love the world that way, with that kind of love? Same question that Nicodemus asked of Jesus, and Jesus gave this answer, you must be born again. And Nicodemus had the same response that we probably would. Born again? How can that be? What do you mean by that? And Jesus says, it's new birth. It's a new life. It's new priorities, new commitments, new attitudes starting over. It's not easy, but it's necessary to be born above, Jesus says. But it is God's doing. That's the good news. An act of God that brings a new kind of life into being. Truly a second birth. I read it described this way. It's a life-changing event of staggering proportions. Overwhelming? Yes. Difficult knowing our human nature? Yes, but radical love is not a weekend warrior sport. It's a 24-7 life commitment to follow a Savior who changed the world. I want to share two stories with you, born-again-from-above life stories, I'm calling them, stories of individuals who have also personally experienced that transforming, radical love of God through Jesus Christ. And their lives have been forever permanently changed. They see everything through the lens of Jesus' love. Everything is heard from the filter of Jesus' love. For God so loved the world, and God's love is seen how they love the world. First, Lynn Pelton and her husband Jim. Members of this congregation have been involved in the disability sector of Sierra Leone for the decade-long civil war which decimated the country and maimed thousands and thousands of people. The atrocities that were committed were unspeakable. Out of obedient love, Lynn and Jim responded to a heart call to serve there, bringing God's love and hope and much-needed medical resources so that the world, that world, would know that God loved them. The stories make us weep with a whole range of emotions from despair to joy. But there is more. 
Many of you might recall the commissioning prayer that we had for Lynn last fall as she prepared to return to Sierra Leone to treat Ebola patients. She spent four months among the ill and dying. Listen to Lynn's words. On a personal level, I needed to do more. I couldn't just watch. I believe most people around the globe have the basic understanding of the facts surrounding Ebola. But I doubt if most have heard the real story of how the disease has affected the very fabric of those nations, literally killing off entire generations of families. The people of Sierra Leone deserve at least basic health care. God's love for Sierra Leone has taken Lynn and Jim on a life journey that could only come from God's love and their response in love. Lynn continues, the world has become a place where, like it or not, we are all connected. Yes, says God's radical love to Lynn and to us. And then we have suffered with the people of Charleston. How do loved ones respond to an evil act of murder? The world that God loved turned stunned faces toward the families as they shared their words of sorrow, forgiveness, joy, and hope. What was intended to ignite a war between the races has brought the people of Charleston closer together. And this is how one Christian writer describes it. And that's because the people of Emmanuel, that's the church in Charleston, have responded in a way that is distinctly, if not uniquely, Christian. Loving those who hate you, forgiving those who sin against you, and blessing those who would persecute you. You might recall Martin Luther King Jr. saying these very prophetic and words that we want to hold on to. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Even Mr. Rogers, a Presbyterian minister who raised many of us and our children in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, spoke wise words to our broken world on God's love. We want to raise our children so that they can take a sense of pleasure in both their own heritage and the diversity of others. Fitting thoughts, don't you think, in light of the recent events in the world that God loves? As we love as God loves, our understanding of John 3.16 grows deeper. I understand more clearly now than I did at 12 or 20, even 40, 60. Well, you get the idea. Jesus lived the life that I cannot live and died the death that I should have died. I don't understand it all, but I don't have to. I have to believe by faith, so I choose to trust Jesus, even when I don't understand. God doesn't require perfection, as Nathan reminded us. He doesn't condemn our attempts to love the world, but as you have seen, God will multiply our loving efforts to greater results than we can think or imagine or even pray for. That's the best news. In God's economy, every experience, every thought, every action by the whoever's, that's those who believe, 
will be used by the Creator God for God's good, loving purposes. We are simply called to be faithful in our response to God's great love where we are with the resources that we have. Hear these words once again. For God, the Creator, so loved to be our God and we to be God's people that He gave His only Son, Jesus, so everyone who believes will have life now and forever. Nothing, no sin, no mistake, no slip-up, no thing. Hear that again. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's grace. Unearned, it's a gift. Through Jesus, grace abounds. That's what God's love does. And we are compelled to share the Father's love with the world. And the circle of love and faith continues. Now perhaps as you're listening to this, you have not yet come to a place in your life where you can say, yes, Jesus, I believe you are the one come from God and you love me. If that's you, then I invite you to make that decision today. There are going to be people available to pray with you and to talk with you after the service. Or for some of you, this might be a day where you want to reaffirm your faith and ask God to give you boldness to love the world in Jesus' name. Perhaps during the singing of the next song after we pray, you might hear God speak to you and encourage you to say yes to Jesus. Our almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is as close as the air you breathe and loves you with an everlasting love. Jesus, that's such good news. We want to be faithful in how we love and how we live our lives. Would you help us to do that and to do it well? In your name, Jesus, your loving name we pray. Amen.